0: Snop production. G'day, I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer and the host of The Good Oil. Now, if you're not familiar with the phrase, I say this every time, but you should be by now if you're not, giving someone the good oil is giving them the good stuff, the important stuff and the real stuff, the stuff you'd want to know, which is exactly the aim of this podcast. We bring you conversations with entrepreneurs, executives and experts, the people who know what's going on and the people who make things happen. And today's guest is someone who knows what's going on and make it makes it happen, but kind of in the background. Now Joseph Garoni is system architect at software company Tenica. Joseph, welcome to The Good Oil.
1: Hey Scott, thanks
0: for having me on. Mate, it's our absolute pleasure. I am someone who, because I'm a kind of a business nerd as a matter of course, I drive down sort of, you know, through industrial estates in particular. And I look at all these businesses that kind of just do their thing without anyone really. I won't say no one takes notice, but in my day-to-day life, I don't interact with them but they're a core part of kind of the way that the economy works, just the things that happen. Someone buys from them, someone sells to them. There's stuff going on. So kind of that, that background of, of commerce, that background of the economy is always something I'm fascinated by as I drive around. You guys do something uh, similar and, and very different at the same time uh, because you guys sit behind a whole lot of stuff that we've – I'm going to assume maybe one person who's listening to this podcast right now deals with you guys directly – But I also reckon that maybe, I don't know, 20, 30, 40% of us rely on the products that you provide, even though we don't know it, because you guys power some of the, and support some of the most important, I'll say stuff again, to use a highly technical word, uh, around our economy. So... Let, I, I'm going to ask you what Tenica does. And then because I've, I've checked out and done some of my research, I'm probably going to ask you again and maybe even a third time because acronyms and stuff, I, I don't consider myself completely off the boil when it comes to tech. But, uh, mate, some of those acronyms even had me scratching my head and, and, and go for Wikipedia. So
1: let's, let's start with you telling me, Joseph, what does Tenica do? Yeah, so I guess at its core is our, is our T-Bizer platform that we've developed. And, and that's used um, you know, for some real-world okay. examples, that's used, for example, on the Gold Coast light rail uh, as the the backing software. Um, we also use it on the Canberra light rail that went in a couple of years ago. It effectively manages all the behind the scenes needed, uh, software needed to, to keep those systems running. The example I give to my mates when they ask about it is, uh, you know, imagine the movies, those NASA control centers they've got. You know, there's a room full of people, dimmed lights sometimes, and then just a wall of screens. You know, everyone's got their headsets on. That's the software we write. So it, it sits there and provides these um, these people with a, a real-time view of every single part of the system and lets them, you know, make sure it's operating safely in a controlled manner, and they can react to incidents on it. So is it is it monitoring, is it is it surveillance, is it supervision, is
0: it the actual things that make the wheels turn of those tra- trains and trams? If I was to take out Technica from uh, from Gold Coast, Light Rail, for example, what, what, what stops? What what starts working when I put it back? How, how does that kind of, you know, without you guys, what, what can or
1: can't they do? Because it's so central to it, it there's actually a lot of it that would, um, you know, be running in a degraded state. From the simple things like the radio system, all the drivers will have radios, the controllers have radios, so they can talk to the drivers and let them know what's going on. Our system also uses that radio to get the vehicle's GPS location and get information about where it physically is, uh, which is obviously a key part of the operational data. You know, if our system was down one day, you know, you'd potentially lose that visibility. We also drive things like the screens you see, it stops. All the information there, that's all coming out of the, um, you know, the T-Visor platform. All those PA announcements when you get the, you know, next train arriving five minutes. It's all automated through that system.
0: Oh, that's super cool! Now, I'm going to say man, I was—I was, even though I did my research, I was surprised. You talked about having, yeah, you know, software engineers, mechanical engineers, electrical engineers. Uh, I'm thinking Tendika is just a—I a, well, so just—but yeah, you know, a software business. It sounds like it's much more integrated. Um, it, it, I, I assume you know you guys get deeply embedded in these sort of systems. What's what's the scope of what you do when it comes to putting together that sort of? social? just said forty odd people. Um and again, as you say, maybe God Coast Light Russell, simply doesn't run unless you guys turn up and and make sure the job gets done. But kind of, you know, what, what what service do you offer if you go to a government agency, say, hey, let us do this thing for you, which is what I assume kind of happens. Um, what's the what's what's the length and breadth of, of what Tenica provides?
1: Like I said, it started as a just the software side, um, and then we kind of expanded that to be, oh, you know, can we help design? Um, you know, a bit more of the system. So looking at the network, obviously all these, uh, systems require some form of communication. So that network design, you know, think about, you know, your old blue cables plugged in everywhere, that type of stuff. But now we're uh, just recently, uh, last year, we actually had an opportunity in Canberra where we developed and uh, delivered, uh, the full, uh, Sanford Street stop. There's an additional stop on the light rail system down there. We did the fitment of all the—they call it the rail systems hardware. So all the related hardware to delivering those PA announcements, the passenger information displays, the cameras, all that type of stuff was uh, was us.
0: I, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to conceptualise this, and I, I know for you guys this is second nature, but you know in terms of. An overall system, I guess. I guess I'm thinking there's the, uh, to use the term, the only term I know, rolling stock, which is kind of literally the trams and trains, the stuff that goes on and the rails themselves. And then there's the the actual kind of the physical station stops, whatever they are, whether they are light rail or trains or something else. So that kind of gets put in and doors and toilets and ticker booths and that kind of stuff. Um, it, it sounds to me like there's kind of a whole lot of. Uh, I don't, I don't, maybe there's not. How much integration does there need to be? How, how involved do you guys get? Is it kind of like a hey, these things just don't get done, we just go and plug them into what's already there? Do you, do you build it out with the other providers? Um, as governments look to keep costs down, improve service levels, improve the quality of what's being delivered, and I've got to say, um, you know, I, I'm sure most of it's not yours, although you're doing a great job of it. the... The the technology behind our public transport systems seems to be so much better these days. Between the just the the simple, you know, um, schedule apps on on phones, the the signboards, the announcements, all that kind of stuff, it does seem like we've stepped out of the seventies into the two thousand and twenties almost with one one single jump. Uh, How how integrated does it need to be? What's your kind of involvement with other parties and and getting that sort of stuff put together?
1: With most of these projects we work on, there's a there's a normally integration with the, the civil works. And we obviously, there's a, an interface between us and them where we detail, you know, we need cable runs. We need to be able to run our, our you know, internet along here, comms along here. But then, yes, like you've said, there's integrations with, you know, in, in most cases with government agencies or, or state-run agencies for that real-time information. So, you know, we've got interfaces up here on the Gold Coast with TransLink. So you open up, up your phone, you go to the TransLink website, you'll see the next tram arriving. Uh, it's the same in Canberra. They've got uh, a similar system. And then, in some cases, we actually go beyond that, and um, we integrate with other government systems. One of these, or most noticeable, most notable, is the um, traffic lights in Canberra. Our system uh, talks to the traffic lights, and uh, we're able to request green lights for the trams. I mean,
0: that's it's kind of it gets really cool at some level. It's kind of um, that, that extra functionality, I suppose, that maybe. I know, I'm sure you work with a lot of good government people, and I'm sure the systems are, are, are there in place. This feels like, to me, we hear a lot about public-private partnerships, and they get a good or a bad day, depending on how well or badly the last deal's done. This sort of integration of a, of a private sector range of solutions, largely at, I guess, no development cost to those parties, uh, but the functionality kind of comes through really quite nicely. I, I guess there's no ends to the sort of involvement or engagement you guys can have to improve those systems. And I suppose the benefit of dealing with a third party is you guys specialise in this stuff. So what you learn in Canberra, you can apply on the Gold Coast. We learned the Gold Coast, you can apply in New South Wales and, and so on and so forth. Um, I, I'm going to speculate that's probably a large part of, I won't say upsell, but I will say uh, the, the kind of value add that you guys bring to some of these guys. Say, so, hey, we've got this new thing. Do you want it? Can we use it? How might it work? Is that kind of what's, what, what's underpinning a lot of the growth of Technicore over the last few years?
1: Definitely. So we we always work to identify what have we delivered and what are features we want to add to that package. And you know we'll often you know we want to keep these systems up to date. So we'll often be delivering new features all the time to try and improve the running, uh, the reporting, and the monitoring of all these systems. The uh, we
0: we I, I cover another company for for the Motley Fool called Audible, and these guys have turned analog audio signals into digital signals and, and the stuff that goes behind that. And again, I'm, I'm doing a massive injustice to the business when I talk about it. But the idea of kind of putting brains inside the wiring is something that's fascinated me for a long time because when you think about whether it's the mobile phone or um, I'm sure there's plenty of other examples as well. You bought a bit of hardware. When it died, you bought the new bit of hardware. And that was just kind of... And the new bit of hardware was better because it was smaller or faster or better or whatever whatever it did differently. And that was kind of the key offering. It strikes me that the sort of business you're involved in here, as long as you have the fundamental functionality in the piece of kit, whatever it is, the ability to use—I'll say the internet, but apologies for that—you know the, the, the idea of being a connected system to basically kind of enhance some of that stuff, almost without you know that when my. My pixel phone upgrades the OS. It kind of happens in the background. Yeah, I've got to press the restart button, but that's it, right? All of a sudden, I get all these new functions. When the app is improved versus the version of the app I used three, four, five, six years ago, I maybe haven't even paid any more for it. Maybe I've had nothing for it, and yet my experience continues to improve. That that strikes me as kind of the the journey that 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 kind of. Uh, Again, society, the economy, and your coast government, transport, uh, continues to be on. Can you give me some examples of how that's played out for, for you guys? You mentioned, of course, the you know, being able to kind of make traffic lights go green, which is, which is kind of just a, a cool bit of kit. But I can almost imagine you guys, I, I, I don't know, but I'm thinking somewhere in the office there, you're like, oh man, our wish list is this long and we can do all of these things. Now that we've developed the system, because it, it sounds like it's working off a single base bit of kit, a, a, a base platform you can apply in different ways.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a single uh, platform, and, and anything we add to it, we do it in a way that any of our previous projects can benefit from that if they want. You know, they can obviously there's a large process to go through changing these systems, but we offer it there as a improvement. And yeah, you're completely right. You know, a lot of this stuff can happen in the background, and a lot of these jobs we see, we're moving functionality that was previously hardwired electrical signals, we can move that out into a software-controlled manner, uh, which allows changes to be made, you know, 10 years down the line uh, without going out there and having to look at diagrams. Oh, we've got to change this wire to this wire, you know, that type of stuff.
0: Tell me about the... If you can go, tell me back to the the, the birth of the business. You kind of said, look, it was a bit of software and we kind of saw a need and then we kind of built a business to do that. Um, I, I like to ask this question of a lot of entrepreneurs because... You know, there are people who say that should be done. Hopefully someone does it. Or they're trying to get their employer to do it. And maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. There are others who say, you know what? I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to go and start or be part of a startup. I'm going to kind of be part of this process of getting a, a company up and running. Um, that that process is, is something that's either super internally kind of just obvious. Some people will never do it at all. And most are probably somewhere in between. Can you tell me about the early days of Technica, the decision to kind of go... Oh, this is scary, but here's the step we're taking. Let's hope this can be something through to the, a 40 person operation.
1: Started with um, our managing director, Matt Bury. He'd um, he had a lot of experience with rail. He'd done a stint over in the UK and uh, he'd just come back to Australia, you know, was working on this project. And yeah, he just day to day was encountering frustrations with it and thought, I'm, I'm going to do this better. And, you know, he just one holiday dove in. And kind of put together that that internal, you know, almost minimum viable product type uh, solution, and um, then we just grew the team around that. I came in, uh, you know, a year or two after that, along with a couple of our you know other longstanding engineers. And since then, it's just been a this gradual increase in product features. There's been a few, uh, I guess, offshoot businesses along the way that have that have formed out of it. You know, being mostly software based we did branch out into some you know business management systems uh some web based business management and probably a, another notable one is is our apunga horticultural system uh which is is kind of developed into another company dealing with uh farming management for uh, a wide range of farms and and everywhere from you know forecasting and, and planting of crops all the way through to you know a bit of the financial side of ordering and and completing orders
0: You talked about it, without Tenica, you guys would or the, your customers would be running in a degraded state. Um, I'm curious as to what the what the long term uh, engagement of Tenica is. The the way, it, I guess if I again from from the outside, I'm looking at these really super complex systems, right? I I think if you had to try and describe, and maybe it's easier with the Gold Coast Light Rail, which is relatively new, but if you took the the Sydney Rail or the Melbourne. Tram Networks and said, describe it for me or build it for me or tell me how it all fits together. I don't imagine there's anybody anywhere who can actually do that anymore because there's so much legacy here. There's so much of this stuff. And maybe going online, and, and again, I do use online as a, as a catch-all for, for connectivity, but uh, maybe that makes it all more visible. Maybe that's kind of part of the point of us business in the first place. But how does it kind of work together? How do you, how do you think through your role in terms of new features, new projects? new offerings. Again, you mentioned the new station in Canberra. Um, how do you think through what your involvement might be now and then ongoing with, with those sort of systems?
1: Yeah, so we've kind of built technique around the whole life cycle of the project. So we come in, you know, we'll help out with the concept design, high-level requirements, stakeholder meetings, and then that flows through to the, you know, the actual design and then the implementation. But then we've also tacked on kind of that revenue service support. So, for both Gold Coast and Camera, we have an ongoing maintenance agreement and we've got you know, direct access to the engineers for issues, support, you know, feature requests, that type of stuff. But then that in itself has grown so large now that we've actually got a dedicated business unit just to delivering that maintenance aspect of our uh, line of work.
0: Uh, maybe you can just tell me, I don't want to ask too many questions that are, are kind of commercial in confidence, but um, we hear a lot about software as a service as a, as a Obviously, a, a technological model, but but moreover a business model. And again, from an investing perspective, the idea of selling something someone wants uh, versus a recurring income stream. You mentioned maintenance agreements and that kind of stuff. Um, industry kind of trying to find a way, whether it's upfront, you know, license sale, perpetual sale, maintenance, software as a service, all that kind of stuff. I wonder if you could just talk us through, maybe from a uh, again, from your perspective, but but if it's more useful, maybe or, or more less 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 uh, confidential, just the industry at large, um, the, the the sort of revenue model, the sort of uh, the way you guys obviously build, but also add value to uh, the customers you work with.
1: A lot of it's consultancy work and fee for service. Um, quite quite upfront. It's you know we're big on delivering value, so uh, we've kind of in recent years built up the uh, I guess advisory or consultancy part of the business. So we'll get involved in projects that we might, that may not necessarily be delivering software for, uh, but we can help advise what that software should look like, what interfaces that software may need to other systems to be able to deliver it. And a lot of that has been in the uh, kind of the larger public infrastructure space, and, and we've found that we've delivered quite quite good solutions um, even without actually building the solution, but we've delivered high level documents detailing. The right way it should be done.
0: Maybe you can just share a little bit more with us about the the broad uh, interaction with government, and maybe maybe the future of that. And I'm curious to hear more about dealing. We don't, you know, a lot of our businesses don't deal necessarily directly with government, or people don't deal with government directly. Uh, but just just more broadly, the 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 kind of difficulties and benefits of dealing with government versus other other industries.
1: Look, to us, it's come across it's fairly it's similar between. Uh, you know, private enterprise and the government. Uh, I did mention earlier, I I touched on the traffic lights in Canberra. Throughout that delivery of those, that light system, um, we worked very closely with the government and, you know, there was a great lot of engineering knowledge put into that uh, from both sides to ensure that, you know, the system was accurate, correct, it was safe. There was an overwhelming amount of, you know, engineering behind it to deliver uh, a system. You know, obviously, if the system takes uh, the LRB position, so the light rail vehicle position. Uh, you know the tram, and you know we're getting data feeds back, um, in real-time GPS data. There's induction loops in the ground, similar to like the traffic lights, where your vehicle pulls up. We have got those as well, and then we're getting the the vehicle's odometer and its its, its speed, and so based on all that and, and knowing the coordinates or where the where the location of the intersection is, many times a second we're calculating. How many seconds till we are going to enter that intersection? And we then, based on that, we've got modelling done up to show, you know, where's the earliest point we can give it a green, t- a green uh, light and where's the latest point. And we work closely with the drivers and the government to develop that system so that the tram driver hits that, that window of opportunity and we send a request off to the traffic lights and the driver doesn't have to brake, doesn't have to do anything. They get a green light. They go straight through, and then as soon as the vehicle hits the intersection, it changes to amber. So, to some people, it may look like they're, they're going through an amber, but what we've done is, at, once you're in that intersection, the you know the lights almost don't matter anymore, and we switch it straight back to amber so your 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 cars can get through without uh, having to wait for another cycle. Or, and we make sure we actually put it back where we found it. So, you know, how often you've been sitting at the lights there you know waiting around it's going through its circle around the lights and then a train or something comes through the boom gates go down and <laughs> yeah. it resets you know and you're like started well the again yeah 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 so we've we, we restore that to where it was so if it gets halfway around and then the tram goes through it resumes from where it was so you're not waiting too long that's very and it just goes to show what can be done right at
0: one level it's super simple on the other on the other hand the idea of actually coming up with it making it work integrating that sort of stuff and you can imagine the sort of what i love about some of the changes frankly that and again i live in new south wales but some of the um some of the changes that transport for new south wales is a kind of a more co- coordinated body manages to do this or so even just the simple opal tap on tap off stuff that the you know the Poms have been doing for years uh, we should have caught up more quickly but all of a sudden it starts to make these things just far far more useful uh and you start to look at that sort of thing and as you say then start to include that um any chance i can get one of those systems put in my car mate so when i get to the lights i go green is there, are you selling those commercially to uh to, 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 to people who might
1: want to pay to get through the lights a bit more quickly I can tell you it was uh, it was good fun during testing. Uh, we, had, uh, we had one of the guys in a ute, and we had to test uh, the uh, the signalling. And uh, so one of us was sitting in the control centre, manually going through each set of lights as he was radioing us. You know, oh, I'm coming up to the next intersection. You hit, you know, give us a green light. He'd go through. Next one, as they drove the whole way up through Canberra, every green light. Can I, can I say that would have been amazing for him at the time. You've spoiled
0: him for life now because forever he's going to remember that particular drive. And wonder why he can't have that ongoing. But that's um that's super, super cool. Hey yeah, before I let you go, Joseph, I, I have to ask you our favourite our favourite questions, our favorite four questions just of all of our guests. You've been very generous with your time, and I am um, I, I again, I'm I'm gonna reflect on this conversation because it's a really great Opportunity to remember the things that are happening in the background, right? The idea that there is a system being built to turn the traffic lights green, or to make sure that the announcements and the and the um, the signal boards all, all work in, on the Gold Coast, for example. So it's super, super cool. But mate, Tom, let's let's get to you. Um, we our, our listeners tend to be voracious readers, watchers, and there are so many options these days with podcasts and streaming and just fr- frankly good old fashioned books. What are you watching and reading at the moment, mate?
1: I've just finished uh, Terminal List on. Uh on Prime, uh, which was quite a watch podcast at the moment. Uh, I've been uh, a bit of it slack recently. Haven't listened to too much. I'll be honest. Um,
0: <laughs> that's the problem, right? There's so I mean that's that's sort of what you guys do, right? The the same technology that lets you guys do that means there are just hours and hours and hours and hours of stuff, whether it's streaming video or or audio or just straight out books being dumped onto our. our uh, machines all the time. I've been away for three weeks and I haven't even looked at my podcast feed yet, but I'm sure it's going to go nuts. I'm going to have to, going to, have to look through carefully. Hey, let's let's go back to, to trends then. Uh, they can be obviously specific to your business or your, your specific role, but what trends are you watching? What are you seeing change that you kind of got your
1: eye on? Look, um, it's definitely the integration of technology in our day to day lives. You know, there's no doubt that. There's been a push over the last 10 years to to ensure we have as many connected systems as we can and that the safety of these systems is, is paramount, as well as the security. That's been the big driver, I think. So I think everything's trending towards a, a safer and more secure uh, integrated technology uh, environment. I'd, this
0: integration thing, I'm, I thing I'm going to take out of this as the integration. Uh, what would, what advice would you give someone who is interested in a job in your industry? Now, whether you call it transport, call it software, call it engineering, call it whatever you want, call it just working with governments. Um, what advice would you give someone who's 18, 19, 20, coming out of uni, coming out of school and saying, like, I oh, want a job. This sounds like a really cool place to work or a really good cool industry to work in. What advice would you give them?
1: Look, I'd just say go no for it. I was lucky. I started here, uh, actually started here halfway through grade 12 as a as a... You know, just get a bit of taste of what I thought at the time was going to be an IT career for me. And, you know, now it's it's fully into the engineering side of things. So I'd say get in there, give it a go. You never know, you know, there might be places happy to take on, you know, people without a degree uh, to get in there and uh, start building things. And last one, my favourite question. What are you optimistic about? Yeah, look, I guess I'm optimistic about where software engineering is headed it's it's a far cry i think from the very early days of engineering where there was a bit of gung-ho attitude towards it and i personally have a lot of confidence now in in engineering projects you know especially across australia the the quality and the thought going into them is i think of a very high standard especially uh you know these these projects of recent times There's there's a lot of thought in them and i'm optimistic that this will enable Australia and other countries to take on larger infrastructure projects and see them completed, you know, in a in a much safer and, and faster manner.
0: I love that, mate. I, I think it's so I said the, the business is behind things. Just, I mean, just endlessly fascinating to me that the, kind of those incremental improvements you don't even notice no one's going to think in four years time about the fact that we didn't have the sort of technology you guys are bringing to the market every single day in cities and, and states around the country um, we'll take it for granted and, and we probably should but uh, we shouldn't take it for granted in the sense that we know that people are out there finding new ways developing, designing new ways to actually get this sort of stuff done uh, and I'm really glad Tendika's doing it Joseph Groney thank you for joining us on The Good Oil Thank you Scott This podcast is hosted by me, Scott Phillips, produced by Ed Gooden, and imaged by Link Kelly. Listener.